It's a beautiful day and a fine time for healing. Podcast host Randy Fine, a narcissistic abuse expert and the author of the groundbreaking book, Close Encounters of the Worst Kind, and the captivating memoir, Cliff Edge Road, invites you into her sanctuary, a place where your physical, emotional, and spiritual well-being are all that matter. So put your feet up, relax, and enjoy today's show. And now, here's Randy. Good morning. Thank you for tuning in to listen to A Fine Time for Healing. I am your show host, Randy Fine. I hope you all had a wonderful July 4th weekend and that you had great weather and you were able to celebrate. Um, this is, it was so exciting for everybody to be able to get out this year. So I know there was a lot of enthusiasm. So what if you could heal just by having the permission you need to become your most authentic self? Today's special guest, Chris Mahefka, has the passion to lead people onto a path where they can do just that, where they can confront their past and accelerate their growth. The healing work Chris focuses on is a combination of breath, somatics, energy work, story work, inner child work, mindset, and other modalities to get deeper into the subconsciousness and heal at the root. He facilitates transformation and creates life-changing experiences, opening hearts, expanding minds, and giving people permission to be their most authentic self. Chris is an incredibly gifted and authentic transformational coach with more than 10 years of experience helping men embrace their inner child and heal emotionally. His ability to see the bigger picture in people allows him to ask the right questions and help them feel safe to get out of their minds and into their hearts. Um, he, I'm going to let him tell you how he got into this healing work, but um, he, he found training camp for the soul and he did the program for himself and then he transformed himself. So now he is the CEO and facilitator at training camp for the soul and the founder and facilitator of the Embodied Man Community and Retreats. Welcome, Chris. Good morning. Thank you so much, Reunion. And I absolutely love the way you read that bio. I'm excited about me. <laughs> <laughs> oh, my gosh. That's no, my job. Thank you so that's much my, for having me on. Uh, oh, my <laughs> pleasure. My pleasure, yes. Um, so much of what I just read about you is philosophies of mine, and that I stress strongly in the clients that I work with, um, um, inner child work, um, you know, mindset, things like that. So anyway, so tell us, how did you get into doing this? Yeah, um, I, I have been a lifelong learner and as Carol Dweck would say, uh, I've always had a growth mindset uh, my whole life. So that was one of the gifts that I developed with as a child. And for the majority of my life, that growth was in uh, a physical way. I got really into sports and I was a highly competitive athlete and I always wanted to grow and get better. And then when I became an adult, it transitioned to business and entrepreneurship. Um, I immediately 
realized that as I learned how to grow myself, um, I could be a better leader in my business and my business would do better. Um, so I always had this self-focused approach. And then um, I became a, a coach um, and I was coaching people and every time that I got better as an individual, I worked on myself. I went inside and uh, resolved some some un, something I was unaware of previously. Uh, I got more valuable to my clients. I was able to support them better. And so um, I think for a while, unconsciously, I was realizing that um, the more I worked on myself, the more I could serve the world. Mm-hmm. And, um, True. Yeah, yeah. And, and, and I really do um, think that is a gift uh, that I never had to overcome the, like, even the thought of, like, oh, it, it's useful to work on yourself. But, um, yeah, so I, I'd always been doing it. Um, like I said, for a large part of my life, it was, it was like my physical body. Um, and then it became a, a mental pursuit. When I started getting into, like, ultra-endurance racing, I it became more of a, a mental game than a physical game. And I started learning a lot about how to make, um, how to have our brains work better to do the things that we want them to do. And, uh, like, becoming more efficient and a higher performer and uh, getting more focused and flow state. And all these things really interested me. And so that took me a little bit further. And then (laughs) I got to the point of um, when I was coaching entrepreneurs and I was working on myself and I was using these mental or what I call mindset, um, like, uh, strategies, I realized that I kept coming back to the same problems. And they were sneaky. They were showing up in different ways sometimes. But it was always, like, the same belief that was coming up. And I would use all my, like, mindset tricks to, to overcome it, and it would work for a period of time, and then it would show up in a different way. And I was like, huh. I was like, I'm, I'm in this place where I'm, I'm thinking my way through these, these thinking problems or what I thought were thinking problems. And um, they weren't actually resolving. They were just temporarily. And, you know, I didn't have that type of language to it at the time, but what I did have was a level of frustration. Uh, I was frustrated that I was working so hard, um, and yet I couldn't, um, I couldn't fix the thing was the word that I would have used back then. I couldn't fix this. Um, I'll use an example. I, I had a really, really strong belief that I had to do everything myself. And it it really came from uh, a lack of trust in people, a lack in people's capability, um, and the belief that if I did trust them, they would let me down in some way. And... Again, I didn't know how to articulate it back then, but I knew it was showing up. I had awareness around it because I, my relationships, I didn't really know how to let someone in in business. I knew that I wasn't fully trusting my employees. I was always looking over their shoulder to see how they were doing. And um, for anyone that has experienced this, it's not, it, it's not a, a pleasant existence when you're carrying all of this weight of all of this in your life and 
I honestly was carrying other people's weight as well. I was just carrying all of this burden. And uh, it wasn't pleasant. And it all stemmed from a very, very insignificant, like as an adult, we would call it insignificant event that happened when I was four years old. And that created a pattern of not trusting and feeling a sense of if I do trust, I'll be abandoned. And um, when I tell even what that story is, I don't know if that would be useful for the show, but when I share that story, as an adult, we're like, oh, that's so silly. But as a child, um, it was very impactful. And so now um, come, I have come to realize in doing this work for myself how the majority of our lives are driven and our decisions are made based on these unconscious beliefs that are just swirling around below the surface. They're always there. They're always operating. And they're always showing up in our life. And um, what I came to realize is as I kind of got to the end of this uh, physical and mental development road, um, there was this whole subconscious world that <laughs> I was just now beginning to, to see. And um, most, of, most of our actions come from there. And so I started looking at, like, what are the things that um, I learned from from mom and dad, from society, from school, from religion, from all these things that we, we get developed. And, and which of those do I really like? Which of those are really serving me? And I'm going to keep those. And then which are the ones that aren't serving me? And then that's when I found Training Camp for the Soul, which specifically does this work and taught me how to um, get to the root of these things and then uh, replace them with something that does serve me. And it's a very, very powerful process because we all have some limiting beliefs or, or some people would call them some wounding um, or some traumas. And um, it, some people uh, at certain stages of their development are aware of those triggers and traumas and wounds, and some people aren't, and they're just walking around uh, in a response mode to life. It's uh, a trigger, response, trigger, response. And that's how um, many people live their lives. And um, so what I say is I, I discovered what true freedom is when I was no longer um, subject to these unconscious programs that were running the show. I had to actually have a say in the matter. Yeah, that's how I yeah. got it. Okay, that's great. Um, that story went a, a little bit deeper than I expected it to. That's okay. That's what happens when people are with me. <laughs> um, yeah, yeah. Yeah, it's okay. It's okay because the things that you share are extremely important. And they are also things that I really stress. completely agree with you about the limiting beliefs. I completely agree with you that we listen to all the thoughts swimming around in our head and we believe they're our thoughts and they really are not. And that so much of our pain is because we're holding on to these, this programming or whatever wound um, happened to us years ago. And some people say, oh, it's silly. That's when I was, that happened when I was a child. But 
the inner child is so important to work on because that is where the root cause usually is. So I completely agree with you, 100%. Um, Thank you. You're welcome. So tell us about the work that you do in regard to this kind of healing process. Mm. Yeah. Yeah, it's... um. It's a very delicate process because working with the inner child, I mean, just if you were to think about working with an adult versus a child, a child is much more delicate physically, emotionally, mentally. And so when we work with the inner child, uh, it's a very, um, it's, it's soft, it's gentle, it's a patient process. And the purpose of that, like the purpose of all this work that, that we do at Training Camp for the Soul is to teach people how to be the healer for themselves so that they're not always reliant on someone guiding them through this process. And so we make the, we make the, the process simple. Um, we actually break it down to five steps, and this is what we teach in our program and take people through. Um, and the five steps apply to anything that comes up in your life, um, Any anything that's triggering any any belief that shows up um, <clears throat> and it starts with awareness awareness is uh, a really hot buzzword in the development and, and personal development community and it's really important um, because it's the starting line it's the starting line to the journey so if you're unaware of something there's nothing you can do about it there's just, it's just going to operate in that unawareness, like in the unconscious. But as soon as you get aware of it, oh, you can do something. There's a choice. Um, so that gets you to the starting line. Um, and so that is usually where people split off and they choose to, okay, this is what I did for many years, almost a decade of like solving my problems. I was unconsciously aware of something so I'm going to solve it in my conscious mind with some sort of action or strategy. Um, and that was like the mindset work that I did. And it gets you to a point, but only when you're conscious of the problem showing up. And, and frankly, in the world that we live in, like a lot of times we like slip out of that consciousness. Like, well, I was just, I just got triggered. I just responded again. And so um, it works to a point, but <clears throat> there's also that unconscious that's running the show. And so the five steps that we take people through address that. Stage two is where a lot of people get stuck, honestly. It's, it's, it's acceptance and commitment. And this acceptance is the most objective acceptance of what is happening in your life, inside of you. And it's really challenging for people um, because it forces them, not forces, but it requires them to um, love the parts of themselves that they, that they don't currently love. It requires them to, like, accept and even get excited about these sensations that they have rejected their whole life because they've called them anxiety or they've called them depression or sadness or fear. And so it's, it's getting to a level of very objective acceptance. In this part, I have so much compassion for. I struggle with this so much. Um, 
because what, what happens is something shows up in our body and then almost immediately we, we label it. Like, oh, this, this set of sensations is anger or this is anxiety or this is happiness. Um, and then immediately our mind goes, okay, what's the story here? <laughs> Why are we sad? Why, like, what's this here? I don't want this to be here. Um, let's go. Uh, why is this? This always shows up when Joe does this. <laughs> this whole series of stories bursts out of the sensation. And then that's where we get stuck in, in the story itself. When we actually slow people down enough to get out of the story, out of the label, and then down into the sensation that's happening. So rather than saying, oh, this is anger because uh, Joe did this and this, it's like, oh, what does anger feel like in my body? And this objective, like, oh, it feels like heat. Oh, it's like a red lava that's rising in my stomach to my chest. Um, and so that's the process we take people through is feeling the sensations. And then we get to, um, we get to the root, uh, which is stage three. And this is the part where, um, Sometimes people have like a memory uh, to it and sometimes they won't. It's not required, uh, but sometimes people are really um, recreating a story over and over again in their life. So if something happened, they're just recreating it. And this is where closing the loop on the story is really important. And so we guide people through the process of when was the first time you felt this? Is this, is this something you learned from mom or from dad? Is this mom's energy or dad's energy? Um, like, for instance, um, like mom, I, I had a really busy mom. Mom was always running around, taking kids to practice, cleaning up the house, making food. She was always busy, busy, busy. And it was always to take care of others. And she never took care of herself. It was like she didn't even have needs. And so guess what I learned? I witnessed that. And so I learned to not have needs. And I put others before myself. And so there's gifts in that. And that it makes you really good at serving others. But uh, I was not living in those gifts. I was exhausting myself and burning myself out repeatedly trying to serve others. And so that was the one that I looked at. And I got to this really, really clear memory um, where she was doing exactly that. She was completely exhausted. I remember I can visualize it. I was probably only four or five years old, but she was just like, um, like, in, like completely exhausted and her face was drooping and she was just like bloodshot eyes and she just hadn't slept. And she just kept, like, going. And she was, like, making the food. And, like, she had to take it somewhere. And she was uh, picking up soup for dad at the dry cleaner. Just, like, all these things. And I just remember the sensation of, like, Mom, I just want you to take care of yourself. I just want you to sit and relax. And um, that was the first memory. Hmm. And then in that, we, we get to release the attachment to it. We get to let go of... Um, this emotional charge that's there. And that's what we teach people how to do. And then we replace it with something that does serve us, a new belief, a new operating script. Um, and I'm saying this really nonchalantly. It's not always easy, but everyone has the capacity to do it. And then we integrate it into our lives, which is stage five. Um, so we take actions on these things. 
all this, this is so important. I love how you broke it down. Um, awareness, from awareness to acceptance, takes a while to get between those two things. Acceptance is a really difficult thing, especially for the people that I work with who their history is very skewed. They're not sure what's true and what's not true. So they become aware uh, that they're in pain, but acceptance is very difficult until they understand what happened to them. So, um, but it is really an important step to accept and um, to commit to that healing. And I would imagine, you know, people, people don't come to you unless they're at that stage, you know, they, they don't come to you unless they're really ready to accept and commit. Um, The other thing I wanted to say is um, you talked about requiring um, or being in touch with body sensations and then labeling them. Um, Mm -hmm. I find that people are very afraid of the natural emotions they have and the natural Mm -hmm. feelings that their bodies have. They're very afraid. And even though... I share with them that this is important to accept. They still panic when it happens because Mm -hmm. when something doesn't feel right, people think this is going to be with me forever. They get scared. Mm -hmm. The reason people do that is because they don't have the tools to, Mm -hmm. to deal with it, which is what you are giving. You are giving through your program. You're giving people the tools that, they will have. So when these things happen, they have something to call on. Mm-hmm. Um, closing the loop on stories. Oh my gosh, yes. Oh my, oh my gosh, yes. People get very stuck in their stories and they go round and round and round with it. And every time they think about it, they feel worse and worse and worse yeah. and worse. Yeah. Um, so yes, Letting go of closing that loop. I like the way you said it. Closing the loop on that on the stories is very important. Where we we just accept it and we go, okay, that happened. That was that. You know, let's start from today. And the last thing I wanted to comment on is that you learn to put others before yourself. And I think this is very very common, at least with the people who come to me. Mm-hmm. Yeah. They've yeah, always so. put mm-hmm. yeah. They've always put others before themselves, and they believe that it is their responsibility to serve others, mm-hmm. without realizing that you can still serve others when you serve yourself. Mm-hmm. It's it's so important that we have self love and we have enough of it, and we have an ever flowing amount of it. Then we can serve whoever we want but we have to serve ourselves first, right? Mm-hmm. Yeah, my um, business partner uh, says you, you can't give from an empty cup. So when you learn how to fill your own cup, it, it can it can always be overflowing, and, and that overflow is what you give from. And it's infinite. But when you have an empty cup, there's nothing to give. Further drain, and, and that usually leads to resentment or what's conditional, conditional giving, conditional loving. Um, 
and uh, it's it's definitely a cycle of even even a cycle of codependency because without the giving, this person doesn't have any um, uh, like their their value is derived from how they serve others. And this was You're me, right. honestly. This yeah, mm-hmm. I, I I completely identified my beingness as how I could serve my clients um, and how I could serve my my partner. And when that wasn't there, I actually had like an existential crisis where I was like, who am I without giving to others, without taking care of others? And the obvious answer was like, oh, like look in the mirror. <laughs> you, you now have to look at yourself for the first time. And um, that's why I, I often say that my, when my former wife asked to separate, it was one of the greatest gifts that I received because it was the thing that was keeping me from looking at myself. And um, I, despite doing, doing the inner work, I didn't realize how deep it ran until I was forced to find myself. And that was a great, that was like the lesson that I needed to learn. Yeah, it's amazing how life brings us into these lessons that can be very painful, but they are so, they can be so powerful. And, you know, I say many people, myself included, needed to get hit by the two by four over and over and over before I woke Mm -hmm. up. And then when I was finally down on my knees and I had nowhere to go but up, that's when I finally said, okay, all right, what are you trying to tell me? Um, so it is very important. And, that, and what you said about um, that the, the need to help others and fix others is so powerful that it becomes, it, it is an identity. And that's why, that's why many people do not want to heal because it's terrifying when you get rid yeah. of that identity you say, who am I without it? And some people don't want to let it go because of that. Mm -hmm. And it is really a terrifying feeling to have the floor dropped out from under you. And there you all are without a foundation and you're required to build it. So that is, uh, that's something that many people experience and it takes a lot of courage. Don't you think to, let so go much. of the story mm-hmm. and let go of what you're holding on to and let the floor drop out and begin to build that foundation yourself. Yeah. It's, it's like, I think it goes against our animal nature because <laughs> we're literally choosing uncertainty from at least this um, comfortable little box we've built for ourselves, which is what most people live in, just this little box that we've built, and it feels comfortable inside of it. Anything outside of it is uncomfortable, so I'm going to avoid it. And so, like, that's a lot easier of a decision to stay in that than to just say, like, I have no idea what's on the other side of this, but I trust, and I'm going to do it. And so it takes enormous amounts of courage. Um, and that's why I think that the role of, of, of really, really skilled coaches and facilitators and, and, and programs are so useful because it gives you, it gives people the confidence 
at least if they can trust you, that the confidence that you can prop them up. It's like it's like you give them some training wheels while they get stable. And I think it's really important because many people, it, it would almost, it would, it would, it's like reckless to just like burn your life to the ground, not knowing how to like put the put the first nail in to start building the foundation. Um, and it happens. I mean, that's that's how most of us start in our journeys. But fortunately, we usually, uh, um, oftentimes, we'll run into someone. We'll run into a practitioner or a facilitator or someone that can just like help us along and be like, yeah, good for you for getting to this point and like I can show you some things that will support you going forward. And so I, I think that um, it's it's really beautiful when people um, like jump in and they say, hey, I'm ready. I'm like really ready. I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to let it all go down, not knowing what's going to build on the other side. And, and like there's some people that have done this before me. And it's it's worked for some people, and so that would be my advice: is whether it's it's, it's myself or Randy or just anyone that you trust, um, uh, ask for support. That is the one piece of advice that I always give on podcasts: is ask for support, because most of us were taught that we can't, or it won't be there for us, or you can't trust other support, um, and just knowing you're not alone uh, increases your capacity to be with the unknown. Just knowing you're not a, a, alone in it and knowing yes. that, oh, other, other people are experiencing this. Oh, other people have been through this before. Oh, this isn't like, uh, yeah, this isn't just a me thing. I'm not just broken. Oh, this is just part of, being human. Oh, these are normal emotions. Everyone has these. Oh, it's just like this process of like realizing that, um, yeah, this is just, just your journey. You're, you're so right. All my clients get to a place where they say, I'm feeling this or that. Is that normal? Yeah. And I yeah. say, <laughs> is that normal? <laughs> and, and generally, um, it's because they're feeling emotions because they're they're you know because i encourage them as you do to feel what's going on and when they first begin to feel it it's so scary and they think they're dying um so yes that's a question i got get a lot is this normal and i say well (laughs) um (laughs) absolutely and everyone goes through it Everyone goes through it, and it's very helpful. Um, it is, you know, you said it's beautiful when people, you know, open up and trust someone, and you're right. It's, you know, I think I said this on a previous show, but, you know, I talk to thousands, hundreds of thousands of people over these years, and, I mean, or listeners, I have... Um, probably hundreds of thousands of people, you know, who have listened to me. And, oops. Um, <laughs> and I say in almost every single time, please reach out. You don't have to hurt. Mm, yeah. And maybe 1%, maybe, mm-hmm. will reach out. Yeah. Why do you think people don't want to reach out? 
there's a there's a really big conditioning that of being a burden to others like oh others have their own stuff going on oh my needs aren't as important as as others things like oh people are dealing with much worse it's this like constant comparison in a way and we're always going to downplay our own situation and we're always going to upplay everything else or we're going to find a reason why that's true and all it is is a protective mechanism. This is, this is the really interesting part, I believe, is that it's just another reason. Um, it's like another reason we're giving ourselves why we don't need to or can't go into the feelings. Because somewhere down below, we know if we get support, we're going to have to go into them. Or they're going to encourage us to, yeah, feel what's there. Yeah, address this. Yeah, go ahead, go ahead first into this. And... So I, I believe that in a way it's it's like a, a rationalizing our, our way out of doing the uncomfortable work. Um, again, completely unconscious, and it's with I say all of this with the most compassion because all of these are just con- like these are conditioned in us. This isn't who we are; it's just what we learn to do. And I think the, the you talked about it the the fear of feeling what's there feels like death to someone that we we create all of these reasons and all these scenarios why we can't do it or we shouldn't do it and um i think that this actually might be one of them i'm not not certain but i I think it's just this um this this sense of like i'm not worth it i'm not worth the support or others are more worth it Uh, it's just like this this minimizing um belief system could be a number of different things, but that's what I, that's that's what I am I'm at right now. And, wow. Um, <laughs> Go ahead. That makes a lot of sense. Yes. Go ahead. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. That's what um, I, I, I don't, um, I don't begin to know like the root of why it initially showed up for someone somewhere in your generational line, but the way we behave are just a series of patterns that get passed down. And it wasn't, it wasn't my mom that created the story of be busy and put others before yourself. And it wasn't her mom. And it probably wasn't her mom before that. And it probably wasn't her mom before that. It was just passed down from a very long time. And at one time, maybe it was really useful and it was serving. But um, the thing about like, uh, the thing, the thing about that unconsciously passing it down is if nobody looks at it, we don't even actually know if it serves us. So that's why I tell people is like looking at the the way you operate in your life, the way you behave, the way you speak to others and yourself. Um, is it serving you? Is it useful for you, or is it not? Um, and that's when you get to actually look at, like, oh, I, I picked up some things along the way that mm-hmm. don't really aren't good for me. Um, yeah. Yeah, and it's it's amazing that um, I've been told um, through um, he- healing channelers and whatever that I'm the voice mm-hmm. of the legacy of the generations before me. That mm-hmm. this is it's my job to it, this has all come to me to be the one to speak out. And I think that's the same with you. Those of us who are rising up to speak about these things, I think it's our job to heal those generations prior um, and move forward. 
um, <clears throat> what you said about minimizing, I'm not worth it. You are so right. You're right on target with that. Tend to measure themselves against other people. And <clears throat> what many people don't understand is, you can't really compare your pain to somebody else's pain because if you had their pain, it may be unbearable. If they had your pain, I mean, you don't know how it's affecting people because we all have yeah. these areas that um, are sensitive. So we can't measure ourselves and we all experience adversity. We all do. And for us, it's very real and very painful. And it doesn't matter if somebody, it's like, um, like for instance, the clients that I have have endured tremendous emotional and psychological abuse. And some will say, but my mother never hit me. Mm-hmm. And so those, who have, those children who've been hit and beaten up, well, mine's nothing compared to that. But, and I say, actually, Yours is worse. Yours is worse because you've been conditioned on a level where you're not aware. And it's intangible. You can't see it. You can't touch it. You can't feel it. You can't recognize it. Somebody slaps you, you know you've been slapped. And your mind can wrap around it. You know what I'm saying? Your mind can wrap Mm -hmm. around it. But emotional and psychological abuse, your mind cannot wrap around it. So, yeah, Mm -hmm. so that was an important point that you brought up. Mm -hmm. So, um, yeah, I like like what you said. I completely agree with you, and I never thought about it that way, but you're right. You are right. Mm -hmm. Mm. Thank you. Yeah. You're yeah, it's, there's there's a line I, I like to I like to use all the time, and it reminds me uh, of of just like enormous levels of compassion. Is that every single person on this planet is walking around fighting an internal battle that we know nothing about, mm. and <laughs> everyone, and it's not our place to judge why that battle's there or the severity of the battle relative to what we believe ours is. Uh, it's just to have compassion for that fact alone. And if we all took that stance, we would show up with a lot more love for each other because really most people are just walking around trying to survive the battle that's happening inside of them. And they're not operating from their highest self. They're not operating from their heart. So when someone, like, snaps on me at the grocery store, like, I know that's not them. I know they're just stressed out. They're overwhelmed. Like, they're dealing with some, some stuff right now. And um, it, it, it just gives, like, this enormous level of compassion for individuals and for humanity as a whole. Um, and... Um, yeah, it really it really helps me both as a human and as a facilitator as well, uh, knowing that like it doesn't matter what the thing was that that caused this response in the person, the response is there and it's showing up over and over again. And so the response is the thing that I care about. It's not about why it's there, um, like what was the event that happened that caused this to be there. Um, 
because you're absolutely right. Like there's, I have the same experience where people will explain like this very uh, socially accepted as big T trauma and it won't really be weighing that heavily on them. And then other people will explain like a very minor event. Like, like I had, I had a few really key ones in my life that drove my whole life. My, um, the, the story I opened with about the trusting just stemmed from a very simple event that happened when I was four years old on a soccer field. Uh, my dad turned, turned around. He went to go watch my sister play on the field like 50 feet away. Game ended. All the parents picked up their kids, and I was sitting there alone with the coach for like five minutes. And the whole story was created that, like, I guess I'm on my own now. Like, I can't trust others. No one will be there for me. Wow. And, yeah, and that could happen to me another day of the week or another kid, the exact same scenario, and the response would be completely different. And that's why it doesn't matter what the event is. It's the response that happens in the body. That's what the trauma actually is. It's what's happening in the body. It's not the event itself. And so that thing drove my entire life. And that's silly. It's silly as an adult to say that, but we all have things like that. Um, and that's why it's, it's important not to, not to judge where people are at or what they're going through. Oh, my gosh, you're so right. You're so right about all that you said. And I like that example. And absolutely, it does happen. One little minor thing in childhood, because children don't know you know, an adult would say, okay, they can reason this out. Mm-hmm. All right, my father mm-hmm. will be back. But children can't. They just mm-hmm. take it literally. And so yeah. it's amazing how something like that, yeah. So people will say, mm-hmm. you know, um, oh, I'm going to tell you this, but it's so silly. No, it's not silly. If you're remembering yeah, it, it, it stands mm-hmm. out. It's not silly. <laughs> it's for a reason, yeah. Yeah. Yeah, and- and one thing I want to say about the reasoning brain as adults is it, it can be a gift for that reason. Um, <laughs> no pun intended. Um, it, it can be a gift because we can reason our way out of things. However, it can also be our curse because we can reason. We can make up so many stories in our mind that temporarily get us out of feeling the uncomfortable feeling. But over the long term, we can't convince ourselves out of our emotions. So I tell people, the, um, if you're asking why, like why did this happen? Why am I feeling this? Why is this? It is a never-ending pursuit because if you come up with an answer, there's a part of your brain that knows that you just made it up. It's literally... <laughs> your imagination, and your brain knows that. And so it'll believe it as long as it it serves you to believe it. But then down the road, it'll happen again, and you'll have to ask why again because you don't trust the answer that you got, and you'll have to rationalize it again. And that's why this spiral exists and people loop in their heads is because they're just making up a reason to get out of the feeling just to avoid that one moment of feeling when if we just – felt <laughs> what was there, it wouldn't have power over us anymore. But again, it's very yeah. scary to do so. It is. And and I don't know if you realize how powerful that statement is in regard to the work that I do um, and the people who follow me because 
reasoning is the poison that keeps people stuck in emotionally abusive relationships because there is no logic. There's no logic. And so as long as they want to stay with the logic, they're not going to heal. Mm-hmm. There's, wow, yeah. There are things in life that there is no way to reason it out. Life can be very strange. We don't know why things happen. And when we get stuck in the whys, we get in your loop that you were talking about before that you can't get out of. We have somebody, I don't know if this is a caller or somebody's just listening, but let, let me check. Would you take a caller if we have one? Sure, yeah. I'm in okay. oh. Hi, are you calling to talk to Chris? Sure. Just, okay, great. I just pulled up all talk radio and I said, this sounds like an interesting show. Okay. Did you have something you want to ask him? Um, What is this about? What is this show about? Oh, okay. So you know what? Go back to the show page, and it will give you a synopsis of what the show is about. But I I thought you might have a direct question for him. But if you don't, just go back. Or you can listen. This This show will go into an archive. It will be recorded. You can listen to the entire thing, and you'll be able to hear it from the beginning. Okay? explanation on what the show about? What um, the about? I don't know. You can listen to the whole show and you'll be able to find that out. Okay. I'm going to put you back on hold so we can continue with Chris. Thank you. Okay. Um, that was very generous of you to do that. Yeah, that's interesting. I didn't realize that that was even an option. That's, that's, that's cool that people can call in. Oh, yeah, they can. They can call in. Um, a lot of times cool. people will call in just – because they think that's how they are supposed to listen to it. But, yeah. Oh, cool. So unless I advertise it as a call-in show, people usually don't. So wow. when they do, it's, I, it's either, um, you know, for a reason that's unrelated, or if they hear the word uh, spiritual or psychic or medium, there's people that troll these shows to get readings for free. <laughs> So many people do that. So they call for that, you know. We didn't use those yeah, words, so people are not yeah, trolling this show for that. Okay, anyway. Yes. Uh, so we were just talking about how reasoning, uh, we're logical beings. Yeah. Things need to yeah. make sense to us. But there are some things that don't make sense because, mm. in my opinion, because life takes us in a direction and we don't always know how we get there. Sometimes we get to a place and it's like, wait, wait, I don't even know. I didn't even (laughs) ask for this and here I am. So, Uh you know, I, I believe that when we resist, we're going to be in pain. Things aren't going to work out that we need to let go of resistance and just allow things in our lives. And when, and you know, this is about control because when we allow things in our lives and let go of control, we have more control. It's amazing exactly. how that works. It's a paradox. Yeah, yeah I know. Mm-hmm. Yeah. It's, it, that, is, that is such a, a battle for us as humans and sentient beings that have this ability to reason and think that um, we're both in complete control of like what we're creating in our life and also not at all. So it, it, that's really difficult for people to hold both of those at the same time. 
and um, it requires a belief in something outside of yourself, um, a, a greater knowing. And, and the way that if, if people aren't spiritual or religious, I wasn't for the majority of my life until I started doing this work. But the way I always related to it was nature. It's like, oh, I don't understand why nature does 100% of the things that it does. I don't know the reasoning behind all of this. Like, like why did, like, why did that uh, fish swim upstream that way? Like, what did the, and we can try to figure it out with our, our logical brains. Mm. Um, but the funny thing is, is that, like, nature has a divine intelligence that, like, we're always trying to figure it out. And we figure some, we believe we figure some of it out, but it just keeps changing and keeps altering. And it's like, oh, a leaf falls from the tree and it lands over here. Like, we don't ask, oh, why didn't it land five feet over that way? We just accept, like, oh, that's just where the leaf landed. But when it comes to our life, there's, like, a really strong attachment of it. No, I wanted the leaf to land right there in that spot. And that's, like, a, a metaphor for, like, when things happen in our lives. Is can we accept that the leaf fell five feet over from where we wanted to and then recognize that maybe there's something at play here that I don't see? Maybe there's a reason why this happened in my life. Maybe there's a gift. Maybe there's a lesson here. And when you start taking that, it's not a truth. It's just something you can stand in. It's like you can, you can take that stance. And taking that stance is actually very empowering. Because anytime something happens in your life, you can say, like, oh, thank you for this happening. In the moment, this is really uncomfortable. And I, didn't, I wouldn't have asked for this, but I imagine there's something good in this. There's a gift in this. There's, there's a lesson. And every time I do that, it gives the lesson permission to show up, and it always does. There's always something better on the other side when I accept it. If I reject it, I stay in suffering. I say, like, why did this happen? Oh, this happened to me. Oh, I don't want this. I don't want And I stay in that level of suffering. But if I just say, okay, yes, that happened. Yes, that happened. And, okay, I can... I can be with that and move forward. And and sometimes there, there are events that happen that really are unbearable that we have to survive in the moment, which is what we actually do. We're survival beings. We create these different protectors and patterns to allow us to survive. But once you're out of survival, that's when you get to deal with it. That's the part that um, that's actually like step one in this healing work that I do is taking people out of surviving their lives to a place of safety so that they can actually feel safe to feel. They can feel what's actually happening in the world. And so that's a process I teach called priming safety. And um, it involves the breath and it involves just slowing down the nervous system and to a place where you're calm, you're at peace. Um, and in that place, you can actually be with things. You can deal with things. But if you're in this overwhelmed stress state response, we all know it. When we're, when we're all wound up and we're caught up in something and someone says something, we snap. We snap right back. And that's just because we're, 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 at, the, we're at the end of, of our patience. We're, we're, we're overwhelmed. But when we're calm, 
I mean, when I when I do breath work, meditate, and I come out of these these states and I walk into the world, like things happen. I'm like, okay, <laughs> I'm like, yeah, okay. <laughs> uh, it's just such a different. Um, it's just such a different state of being, and and it's required to be in that safe state of being to do this healing work. If, if, if we're just cr- like chronically in survival, um, it's it's not a very effective place. So that's that's like step one. Oh, I love. I, I mean, you're so wise, and I love your analogies. They really do mm. get to the heart of what you're explaining. I love the mm, leaf analogy. That's a really good one. Mm, That's mm. really, really good. Mm-hmm. Yeah. When people are in survival, half the time they don't even know it because they've, yeah. they've adjusted to a level of stress that's always there. They don't know what it would be like to be without it. Yeah. And so they think it's normal for them. It's nor- I, I'm just a nervous person, you know, mm-hmm. or... You know, this situation is just making me nervous. But people who are in survival are always in fight or flight, always. Yeah. A very low level that just permeates their life. You know, so when they get out of it and they look back and they go, oh, now I see what I went through. Because I tell people, you've been through a war. You have been through a war. Really? It doesn't seem that way, but then when they look back after they've done a, a, a certain amount of healing and they go, wow, now I see it. I, I didn't understand it when you said that, you know. Um, so, Chris, you do, uh, do you do workshops and, um, and training yes. and all those kind of things? So tell mm-hmm. us a little bit about that before we um, yeah. finish. Absolutely. Thank you. Thank you so much for that opportunity. Um, I'm actually running a, a two-day online workshop, uh, July 26th and 27th, uh, with my partner and not. And um, we are—we, uh, I don't know. Depending on when this when this airs, people can still register for it in the yeah, end. It airs in the immediately. It airs immediately. Oh, perfect, perfect. Mm-hmm. Uh, yeah, so people can check that out. That is a very like. Uh, low commitment where they can just experience what it's like to, to be in this work and do this work with us. And, um, and then the next step after that is after this two day event is um, we offer a 90 day, three month virtual program where we take people through every single thing, every limiting belief that's showing up in their life that isn't serving them. And we, we systematically release and replace it. Um, and, uh, yeah, they get to work with myself and the, the founder or not, and then, um, a few of our other facilitators as well. And then we have a retreat. Uh, we have a retreat that we do twice a year. Um, next one is in October. And, um, yeah, that's, that's all the programs I offer. And then I'll also offer some, some one-on-work, one-on-one work as well. And then, um, yeah, I offer, um, um, communication and intimacy sessions for couples and some men's work as well. So I currently you, uh, use this. Mm-hmm. <laughs> I, I use you, this work in a, in, a, in a lot of different ways, but the work mm-hmm. is always the same, if that makes sense. Always Are you doing it virtually? Energy. Are you doing it mostly virtually? or um, I, mean, cause, um, I mean, now so many things are, but 
How yeah. um, how have you adapted that? Yeah, you know, last year we had to uh, adapt on the fly. Um, the majority of our business was in person um, in 2019, and then 2020 that just stopped altogether. And so we we did adapt and we created this really robust virtual program. You know, it actually came. Uh, this is how I can say, like another example of. Uh, seeing the gift in something that most people were not. So as soon as COVID hit, we realized like, oh, we now can't do any of these in-person events. This is the majority of our business. We either don't have a business or we have to adapt. And so what we started doing was these free support calls because people were, they needed support. People were freaking out. Um, And at the early stages and there was a lot of fear and a lot of panic. And so we wanted to support people and just give them the tools. And um, we did. And we were getting these calls of, of 50, 60, 80, like a hundred people on these calls and we were guiding them through as a group and it was working. And we were like, Oh wow. We had this limiting belief that it only had to be one-on-one all the time. But like we're getting like 90% of the benefit doing it with a hundred people and we're like, wow. Um, and that opened our eyes to doing this work virtually. And so we started doing it virtually in, in groups and it was, was effective. And we're like, Oh, we can now uh, 10x the amount of people we serve for the same amount of time um, and do it at a much lower cost. Oh, everybody gets to win. Um, and so that is how COVID was a gift for us because it forced us to look at our business model and how we were offering this work to people. Um, so we, we very much pivoted. Um, we still run in-person events because there's something really powerful about the in-person, um, but uh, only after people have gone through the virtual program. And the other thing about virtual is that your outreach is, is much bigger. You have the whole world. Mm-hmm. Yeah, you know? we've had people from all over the world do the program since we've offered yeah. it. Mm-hmm. And, and they, mm-hmm. these are people that would not have normally traveled to Texas to, yeah. you know, to take this program. They might have moved on or you know, gone to a different mm-hmm. program or whatever. Now it makes it very accessible. Yeah, and, and also uh, accessible to cultures that this is less acceptable. I, I, you know, I have more and more awareness of this all the time when I when I spend time with people from other cultures, but this isn't talked about in a lot of other places. This this type of like self work, and um, when when people join, they're like, thank God, because I can't talk to anyone about this. Like if I were to bring this up, people think I'm crazy. Um, I, I honestly take it for granted that all of my friends like do development work and they're, they're working on themselves and they're self-aware, but most people are, are not in a culture that um, acknowledges that. So this gives people access to it. And um, we get to be their little safe virtual Zoom container. <laughs> every day, <so. laughs> yeah, I agree. Yeah. I mean, I've had the same experience. Um, you know, it's mm. like like in places in some places in the Middle East that are very yeah. male dominant mm-hmm. dominated. The mm-hmm. women are not allowed to do any any mm-hmm. um, you know focusing on themselves. It's not just not acceptable, and you're shunned. And you know, there's so much. Mm-hmm. So yeah, there are pla- I agree. There are places in the world where it's just not 
promoted and people don't even realize it can be done. Um, Chris, what is your website before we go? Trainingcampforthesoul.com. Perfect. And um, anybody that wants to hook up with you and take these courses or um, do a one-on-one, they can yeah. just go to, the web, to your website? Yeah, go to the website. And then another great place, um, free resources. Uh, I, I do a lot of posting on Instagram. Uh, just my name, Chris Marhefka, M-A-R-H-E-F-K-A. And um, I, I post a lot of like free resources, and I share my story on there, and that's a good place for people to follow me as well. Great. Okay. Wow, what a powerful hour this has been. Mm. Uh, thank you so much for being my guest today. Yeah. It's been, um, you know, really enlightening. So, uh, and I know we're we're on the same page with with pretty much everything. So I thank you for the work that you do and the people that you help and you are a light worker and you are a healer and um, we're all kind of rising up now. So keep doing this wonderful work. So important. Thank you. You as well. You're welcome. Thank you. I appreciate the opportunity and the platform to, to share this message. So thank you for doing what you do. Thank you. You're welcome. You're very welcome. Okay. Well, have a wonderful day. Thank you. You too. Bye-bye. Okay. Alrighty. Bye-bye. So we are out of time today, but if you have any comments or questions, you can email me at loveyourlife at randyfine.com. Randy is always spelled with an I, R-A-N-D-I, randyfine.com. Okay. So this Friday, I believe, yeah, Free Advice Friday on July 9th, 11 a.m. Eastern. I will take your calls and answer your questions, or you can share anything about narcissistic abuse. This will be your open forum, your chance to, to talk with me and get some information, and maybe I can help you with your issue. So feel free to call in. The number you will call, get a pencil and paper, and write this down. It's 424-220. 1801 4242201801 call and talk to me i would love to hear what you have to say and i'd love to be able to um guide you so thank you very much i hope to see all of you there may joy and serenity always be yours goodbye we hope you enjoyed today's show Visit randyfine.com, R-A-N-D-I-F-I-N-E.com, and be sure to sign up to receive updates on the latest blog posts, events, and upcoming shows. Thank you for listening.